0: Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. It's great to be here today, and uh, it's a great Sunday. You know what? I feel like celebrating. Anybody with me, you want to celebrate a little bit? Yeah, let's celebrate. If you're online today, we celebrate you joining us, and we're going to celebrate first. This is the Sunday where we kick off the Christmas season together. And I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. I love gingerbread cookies. I love all the neighborhoods being lit up. I love decorations. And I love that people usually have a little bit more Christmas cheer, right? If you're a Christian, we have joy. We sang about that earlier, right? Everybody give me a thumbs up. We have joy, joy, joy. And here's a way to spread some joy. Not just because you killed two deer and you got some bucks and it was awesome, but, but but joy because Jesus has come to the earth. So here's what you can do. You can pull out your phones and right now you can share on social media that you're live at Pathways Church to let your friends know. Also on your seats, there are some cards about our Christmas season. You can use that as a reminder for yourself. You could take some pictures of that front side, back side, and give that to a friend or somebody so that they can be a part. Or you can go to pathwayschurch.us forward slash Christmas. And we have digital invites for social media, as well as texting templates and email invites that you can uh, share with friends and family so that they can join us as we celebrate Jesus on Christmas Eve at one of our three services at 12, 2, and 4 p.m. Now, the second thing that I wanna celebrate is what we did together as a church family. We gave Christmas this year to over 500 kids, actually 576 kids, we filled these boxes so that they can experience Christmas together. And I'm so excited because not only will they hear the Christmas message, the gospel, but they're also going to get the heart of Christmas as they understand that our God is a giver and he gave Jesus to us as they receive these gifts and hear the gospel. But they're also going to have gifts because of your generosity. I'm so encouraged by that. And I just want to say thank you. Like, listen, we did this together and it's reason for us to celebrate. In fact, that five 576 boxes. That's 131 boxes more than last year. So can we celebrate what we're doing together as a church to touch our world through Operation Christmas Child? Now, there's one more thing that I want to celebrate. Today, I get to announce to you that we're going to go ahead and every gift that is given on Christmas Eve, every donation, every piece of financial resource that you choose to give on Christmas Eve, we're going to use for the express purpose of missions and outreach. And I'm so excited to partner with nonprofits and partners throughout the Fox Valley and around the world to make sure that we get the gospel out here, there, and everywhere. Why are we doing this? Because we did it for the first time last year, and it was fantastic. And so we, uh, as an elder team, we want to go ahead and we wanted to get that out to you this weekend, just to let you know that we have decided to give every diamond dollar to missions and outreach. Why? Because you are so active in the Fox Valley. I want you to know that this isn't a performance-based church. This is about the presence of God meeting us here so that we can take the gospel and make a difference out there. You can go ahead and celebrate that. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ touching people's lives. And we want God's kingdom to come. We want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And because there's a growing number of you that love Jesus, that have a commitment to the gospel, that wanna see lives changed and impacted and raised to new life in Jesus. We just, we use this season as a time. Here's what we see. So many times people come to our church and they're surprised by the fact of how little pressure we put on them to, to give. And yet we're so blessed as a church. Why? Because we watch people, everyday people like you and me, who have a deeper passion and love for God and a commitment to the gospel. And so this season is special for many people who call Pathways to their church home, whether you're watching in another state or right here in Northeast Wisconsin, you're homesick today, we see people step up and give for the very first time. This season is also a time where families evaluate and they say, you know what? What I have is not because of what I have done. It's not about me. In fact, I need God and I want to honor God. And so this season, we see people who are starting to tithe. It's an exciting season in the life of our church. And the tithe is important because the tithe communicates to God. First of all, you're number one and everything that I have belongs to you. And so in obedience and heart of gratitude, I return that 10% back to you. So it's an exciting season this Christmas Eve. We're gonna to continue to touch our world just like we did with Operation Christmas Child and all of the outreach we do here at Pathways Church. Amen? Amen? All right. Well, as we get into the Christmas season, why don't you join me with a word of prayer? Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you that you are a giver, that that's so core to your character and nature and that you have given us the greatest gift, Your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Jesus, for bringing peace to our hearts. We remember those victims and their family members and friends of people who have lost their lives over the last couple of weeks in multiple mass shootings here in our nation. And we pray, God, that you would bring peace to their hearts. And God, that you would raise up churches that would extend your love and care and mercy. God, I pray that our church here at Pathways, as we peer into the power and the wonder of the Christ child, that this season, God, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that would be receptive to the truth and the revelation that you have for us according to your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God, and everyone who agree with this prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. All right, so. Uh, I want to begin by saying this, uh, in order to move forward, to prepare the way for this Christmas season, we have to go back. We have to go back. And so the series title of the next four weeks is Retracing Christmas. Why is it Retracing Christmas? Because when we go back, we as this generation of Christ followers, in fact, every generation of Christ followers is called to make sure that they stay true to the original message. And so that's why we have to go back to the original to understand what God did through Christ during the Christmas season. But I want to begin by talking about some Christmas traditions. How many of you guys have Christmas traditions, right? We all have Christmas traditions. We do things at a certain time, a certain way. There are certain memories that, that pop up in our minds around the Christmas season. But I want to go to the dark side, okay? Everybody say dark side. I'm going to the dark side. All right, here's the dark side. How many of you in your Christmas traditions, every year you find yourself putting out your decorations and putting up your tree earlier and earlier and earlier? Like you had your tree up two or three weeks before Thanksgiving, anybody, anybody? Okay, there's a few of you out there. Now, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I love Christmas, you know, Laura and I, we we put up the tree, uh, actually, I think it was a week before Thanksgiving. And um, we find ourselves, as the kids get older, we wanna have that done and prepared and ready to go for the holidays. And we absolutely love Christmas. Now, how many of you, um, like you would say though, um, I hate to say this because we're just getting into the Christmas season, but, but I told you we're going on the dark side. Come like December 26, when it's over, it's over. Like toss the tree out, take the decorations down, you're done. Anybody like that? Okay, a few ungodly people. You you Enneagram number ones, you perfectionists. When we walk into your home, it looks like nobody lives there. Okay, I'm the absolute other way. Like, I love to keep the tree and the lights up for a long time. How long? Valentine's Day long when my girls, when Grace and Ella were younger, I know some of you were looking at me like, you're ungodly. They would come and the girls would say to me, dad, can we take down the tree? And I would use all this theological jargon and be like, no way, light of the world, John 8. And then I'd be like, he's the reason for the season. And so as they got older, the girls would say to me, dad, the season is over. Now we look like the weird neighbors with all the decorations up. And I'm like, I don't care. I pay for it. It's all good. So there's no right or wrong when it comes to our uh, Christmas traditions. But this kind of leads me to what I want to talk to you about today. Because after the first Christmas, when it was done, it was done. And everybody wanted to get back to normal. See, in the first century, the Roman Empire wanted to systematize and wanted to figure out all who was living under Roman rule and in the empire. And what they wanted to do was to find out how much money their tax base, what they could pull in from the people who lived in that rulership in order to make sure that the Roman empire would continue to expand and increase in size and power. If you have a Bible today, go with me to the Gospel of Luke, because There, I want to show you what takes place on this very first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first, parenthetically, first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Let's pause there for a second. This is very important. In terms of what's taking place, Caesar Augustus is saying, uh, who's, who's living in the empire? How many do we have? Wanted to quantify that because the primary question is, what is our tax base? Now, this wasn't so much of a problem if you lived in the hometown that you had been born in. But if you had moved, then obviously you would have to go back to your own hometown, which really sets the stage for the very first Christmas. Now, listen, this is really important. When we read these words, we're looking back on the original Christmas. We're retracing that, right? Uh, During this time, as we read this text, there was no first Christmas. There was just chaos, Because in order to travel back to your hometown, this was number one, expensive. Number two, it was very dangerous. And number three, it wasn't a lot of fun because those who were living under Roman rule really didn't care for the Caesar and didn't want to travel back. And they didn't want to pay taxes. They want to pay taxes. And so... Caesar issued through his governors like Curinelius' his first ever census, like, uh, yep, I I still live here. Yep, you can count me. I'm registered. I'm good to go. I'm going to pay my taxes. But this set the stage for a baby to be born. Let's read about his parents in verse 4. So Joseph, the text tells us, also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, here's what, had taken place. This teenage peasant girl was giving birth, not to just a baby, but to the divine Christ child, fully God and fully human. And when Christ came to the earth, it intersected, it brought heaven to earth. As John 1 14 says, the writer says, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And when Jesus came to earth, Everything had changed. The implications of what it meant on a geopolitical, on a national, on a universal, and a very personal way had changed in the birth of Christ. But but here's the amazing part. Jesus came secretly into the world. It was a very discreet way in which he entered Our humanity, whispers and hushed tones of this Messiah, this Messiah who the Jews had been anticipating for hundreds and hundreds of years was quietly birthed into a manger. Statesmen didn't hear about this Savior, but shepherds did. In fact, Luke tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verse 8, he says, this, he says this to us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What we get wrong oftentimes when we come into the Christmas season is that Jesus is so much more than a baby and he's so much more than a religious figure. Did you see the last word of verse 11? He is Lord. That means he is a king. That Jesus came more than just a baby, he came as a king. And this king was different, far different than any other king that ever lived in human history. This king, Caesar Augustus, and every Caesar and every ruler and every president and every tyrant from this day forward would only serve as a footnote in the history of Jesus Christ the King. This king was like no other king because he said to his subjects, rather than you laying your life down for me, I will lay down my life for you. This king said to his followers that if you need to lay down your life, you should lay down your life for those that you love. By this, all men will know that you are my followers. This king said to his subjects, in fact, you should lay down your rights and your privileges for those who offend you. You should be willing to turn your cheek for your Enemies and go the extra mile. You should do something that is so extreme when it comes to my kingship and rulership. This is the king. And if we have any question, as we go back in order to move forward to prepare the way for this Christmas season, when we retrace the very first Christmas, listen to what the angel said just one chapter earlier. He said this in chapter one, verse 30. The angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Jesus is the English version of a Latin term that's derived from a Greek term that's derived from a Hebrew term, which means Yeshua. Yeshua, translate it means, it means Joshua. It means leader. In some cases, it means Lord. And to further show that Jesus was this leader, was this, was this king, listen to what the angel says in Luke one thirty-two. Jesus, He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Do you realize that this throne, there is a king and his name is Jesus and he has the throne of David. Now you say, what's the significance of that? Well, David was the greatest king in Old Testament history. He had expanded, it was during the time which scholars would call the golden age. He had expanded Israel's power and might. David was called a man after God's own heart. And in this line and this lineage started from David Going all the way back to Abraham, there was a king who had come, who had been given the line forever that would rule Jacob's descendants and his name was Jesus. This king came as a commander, as a lawgiver, as a judge. This is the king. In fact, uh, I just said it to you, but look at verse 33. This king will rule over Jacob's descendants forever. And here's the key phrase. His kingdom will never end. Say that with me. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. In other words, what the angel said to Mary, that Jesus will always be a king and Jesus will always have a kingdom. Jesus will always be the king and Jesus will always have a king. Do you know what that means for you and me today? That means that Jesus is still king that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This was established before the foundation of the entire creation, that God in his divine sovereignty, in his full control, regardless of our sin, regardless of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, regardless of our sin nature, that a king would come and that a king would rule forever and that a king would just upend all of human history that a king would disturb, a king would do a divine reversal of our sin-stained hearts and offer us peace and hope and freedom. This is King Jesus. More than a baby. More than a baby. And I know sometimes we, we lose the significance and the power of Jesus during the Christmas season, and here's why. Not so much because of culture. But sometimes, because of the church, because if you're anything like me, we get into the Christmas season, and it all becomes nicey-nice, like, oh, little baby Jesus, isn't he so cute, like a little manger, and wrapped in claws, and, you know, we, we, or we see Jesus as a friend, like, when I'm in trouble, let's call Jesus, Or we see Jesus as a backup plan to my plan A. If it doesn't work out, then Jesus, he arrives on the scene. Or he's a comforter. Or Jesus is my conscience reliever, just to get rid of my sin and my guilt. But Jesus, this Christmas season, I want to announce to you today that he is the king. That he is the king. He is the king. It's no wonder Why, 30 years later, in his most famous message that he delivered, the Sermon on the Mount, when his followers asked him, Jesus, how do we pray? Here's what Jesus said to them. He said, pray this, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. See, friends, when we as followers of Jesus don't seek the king's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, you know what happens? We miss out. See, we miss out when we don't seek the values of God coming to earth. When Jesus came to earth, he entered into a value system where might makes right, where the gold makes the rules, where people with power leverage their power for more power. And yet Jesus, he disturbed and he disrupted that very kingdom. He didn't come for this world. He came in opposition to save this world through him and the way God thinks about people, that God is for all people, that he loves all people, and that he wants to reconcile all people through the supreme king, his son, Jesus Christ. And as we get into this Christmas season, the the question that we have to ask ourselves when we rise every single day, when we get up in the morning, we have to ask ourselves this single question. Is Jesus my king? Is Jesus my king? Is everything in my life My thoughts and my attitudes and the way I perceive and think through the world and and everything. Do I see Jesus as my king? Because friends, when we choose, here's the thing about the king. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus is the kind of king who will never intrude, but he will always grant us a choice. And when we choose not to participate and do life with the king and to be a part of his kingdom, then we miss out. We miss out on what Jesus is doing. Not only do you miss out as an individual, but we as a community at Pathways Church, the people of God in this local congregation, we miss out because our church It ceases to be a movement and all we become is a monument to God's power and his grace. And God calls his people to be called out among the world in order to serve and to love and to bring hope and the message of Jesus Christ. That's why it is so important that we go back so we're entrusted with the original message of Jesus to move forward this Christmas season. So I ask you, is Jesus... Your king. Now, now here's the thing about the king. Whenever we come to the king, we sing a song around here that is so powerful, and the song expresses a longing that I believe is hardwired into every human heart, every soul, every psyche, and that is this. We long for a divine touch, a touch from heaven. For some of you, if you miss out this Christmas season You'll miss out on that touch of heaven that you desperately need because maybe this year is the first year that around your table, there's an empty chair. You lost a loved one. In fact, somebody from our congregation texted me late last night, said, I think I lost my brother. I got a a text from my parents. I know I lost my brother. I think I lost him to an overdose. It was the first text I saw this morning at 5.09 a.m. And I thought to myself, hmm, I know what that's like. I've gotten that call. For some of you, you're grieving because you couldn't conceive of a child and yet we get into the Christmas story and you think about this young virgin Mary and you think, man, I'm married, I'm doing everything God's way and yet I can't have a child. Maybe you're faced with in-laws and blended families and situations and scenarios and we just got out of Thanksgiving and now you're thinking, man, in, in 20 and 30 some days, I gotta go do this all again with people that I absolutely can't stand. You wouldn't say that, but you're texting that to your friends. You're feeling that in your heart. And while your circumstances and while the situations of your life might not change, look up here. This touch of heaven from Jesus, your king, can change your character and your response to the world around you. For many of us, we want to get everything right out here, but for Jesus, He wants to get everything right in here so that when we look out here, everything we see through His perspective. That's His kingship, His lordship, His power. Don't we need a touch from heaven? Isn't that what you, isn't that what I long for?